Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. As you guys know by now, Drift Car Sharing is the best way to park your your car at the airport. It's only like a quick five to ten minute shuttle ride from the airport where they have you park your car. And instead of paying to park your car there, they will rent it out so that you make money. Um, And even if they can't rent it out, you still get to park for free and they will still clean your car inside and out for free. Uh, It's a great deal. If you need more info, go to drivedrift.com. Yeah, check them out. I know I'm going to here soon. Okay. Uh, Busy day here, at least for me, maybe not for the buffs, but uh, it's, it's it's time to start talking about Washington State. And uh, we, we didn't do a podcast about the press conferences Tuesday because we had the draft pod Tuesday. And then Wednesday was the Buffs basketball media day. So we went all basketball on yesterday's pod. I guess the end kind of, you know, spiraled. But uh, today we need to jump back to Tuesday to talk about those press conferences, what we heard in our last media avail- availability from the Buffs from uh, Steven Montez, from Aaron Maddox, and from, of course, Mel Tucker. Uh, and so that's where we're going to start. We're going to get into some Washington State talk, and obviously they they had some things to say about Washington State, so they can kind of lead that discussion. Uh, and then at the end, I haven't checked, but hopefully we got questions. I can't remember. I, I, I didn't put this podcast up too late yesterday, so I think I gave you guys some time to uh, comment. We'll check on that later. Uh here is the big story, though. Uh, the Buffs are playing an air raid offense, in case you hadn't heard. Uh, Mel Tucker has a lot of respect for Mike Leach. That was very clear uh, when he was talking about this Washington State team and this Washington State offense. Uh, he, he spoke very highly of Leach, uh, saying, you know, everywhere he's gone, he's had success. And that's true when you look back all the way through his history, all the way back to Texas Tech back in the 90s when this offense was really created. Uh, he, he was a part of the duo that created this air raid offense, uh, which we'll talk more about in the second segment. We'll get into the details. But the point is they pass the ball a lot, and that's uh, that's kind of sums it up, to be honest. Um, yeah, so, so he talked about that, talked about how successful he's been everywhere he's gone no matter the personnel, no matter whether it was the first year for quarterback, which it is again this season, um, Mike Leach finds a way. And and playing an offense like this isn't easy. 
it's it's a different challenge than uh, playing a team like Oregon that runs a fairly traditional offense. Even Arizona, Arizona State, like they all do their goofy little things, but this is another one of these games, kind of like that Air Force game where it's it's a totally different scheme that you have to plan for. And we'll, we'll see what the buffs come up with. Uh, I have some guesses. We'll get to the guesses later. But it's it's not easy. And Mel talked about that. He said, you know, in college football, you, you play all of these different teams that have very different identities. It's not like the NFL where, sure, a team might be offensive-minded or defensive-minded, but it's very rare that you play a team with a scheme that's unlike anything that you've seen before unlike anything that you've practiced for earlier in the season. It all is pretty similar in the NFL, just tweaked slightly. Maybe it's a 30% shotgun compared to an 80% shotgun offense, you know, it, which, which is a big difference. But in the grand scheme of things, they're all doing the same things. They're just doing some things a little bit more often. The, the triple option offense, not that way. The Washington State Air Raid, definitely not that way. And I think that that was kind of the theme throughout uh, the press conferences. It's it's not just Washington State week, it's Air Raid week. And they need to find a way to get that figured out. And that's going to be tough for a team that's been giving up some passing yards. What else do we learn? Uh, we also heard Mel talk about the Oregon game just a little bit more. Um, talk about moving on how he wants to kind of get his team's mind right he said that there there don't seem to be any lasting effects from that loss guys aren't you know slacking off they aren't too down they've they've moved on which is what you want to hear he he said he had two great days of practice he's had a blast at practice both days and, and i mean that's what you want that's what you really uh would like to hear after a loss like that uh spoke about steven montez in particular he was asked are you concerned for steven after steven throws four interceptions and here's mel's response i don't have any concerns he had a rough day but he moved on he looked good today he's a really good player everyone's got issues all over the country win or lose everyone's got problems and we're trying to fix ours makes sense and he spoke about that a lot saying you know there are there are problems on this team, but there are problems on every team, which I think is worth remembering. He even said, you know, even the best teams in the country have things that they need to work on. Hopefully, I don't, I don't know what the takeaway is there. I think that that's pretty obvious. Maybe it's easy to forget that, but you know, that's uh, that's what's going on. Uh, also, heard him talk about the in-state recruiting. Um, particularly because running back Max Borgie is a Washington State starting running back, and he's a Colorado kid who, I mean, he would be the starter here. He's a very good running back. He's the next in a long line of good Colorado running backs. Looking back to Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler uh, played it. Oh, I shouldn't say it if I don't know. Uh, Western State. There we go. Uh, and then uh, Philip Lindsay. Did I say him or did I say Christian McCaffrey? I don't know. But, but, you know, there's this string and they're getting out of the state. And w- one thing that Mel said is we're just looking for good players. Um, whether they're here, whether they're somewhere else, we just want good players. He kind of hinted that maybe he, he's kind of looking more at the in-state guys. 
But but I've been surprised the way he's handled this every time he's been asked. He hasn't been willing to say it starts by getting the talent in state. And I don't know why that is because I think that at least from my perspective as an outsider, it seems like those would be the guys who are easier to get. Like you have an inherent advantage trying to recruit any of these guys compared to guys who are having to move away from their families, move away from everything they've known and convince them that Boulder's a nice spot. Maybe, maybe there's like this weird thing where outsiders view Boulder as a little bit nicer than people who live around here, but I don't think that's the case. You know, when you, when you have that advantage, it seems like something that you have to take advantage of. Uh, even, even if that means you, you still aren't going to get the guy because of whatever other factors, you know, everybody has a list of things that they're interested in and, and they're all in different orders of importance. They all are weighted differently. So for one guy, it, it might be, I want to play for a program with a history of winning a first, a program that's winning now second, a coach will develop me third and I want to be near my family fourth. And who knows what the rest of the list is. It, I mean, it could be this is a whatever ranked party school. It could be this is a religious school. It could be all these different things matter to different kids. But somewhere on that list for almost all of them, I mean all of them, will be I want to be close to my family. Um, or even some of them will, will say I want to play for the team that I grew up rooting for. Maybe that's such a, a small factor, but but it is a factor. It definitely is a factor uh, for all of these in-state kids. And that's that advantage. And wherever you have an advantage, you, you have to use it. And, and maybe for Mel Tucker being a Georgia guy, I mean, he's from Ohio, though. It's only, only been recently that he's kind of been in that deep south. Uh, but but maybe he just like speaks better with them he understands them he knows the culture and can can show them what boulder is and he I, there's a way to manipulate those important things uh that that kids are looking for but i'm i'm kind of surprised that we haven't heard him just say what i said because he is you know he he spends all this time thinking about it obviously and so to hear him say like never say we we need to get those guys because we have an advantage having them here i mean they can get them up to games every weekend just in terms of recruiting advantages not just likely being higher on the list because they are from colorado because they are you know all the perks that come with being close but some of them are even in recruiting it's easy to spend more time with those kids because you can get out there and talk to them it's easier to bring those kids up to boulder to see games and kind of get them into this culture because they are so close. I mean, they'll have friends who are going to play for this team, friends who don't play football, who are probably going to stay in state for college, who are going to the school. Like you have all these advantages inside of the recruiting as well, not just these inherent advantages of, you know, being able to play up, being close to your family, being close to your friends, being close to everything you know. And so that's a... I don't know. I, I would like to see more of an emphasis. You can go back and see that there are some guys they've lost. They lost. I mean, the tackle, oh, I think is going to Notre Dame still, but I thought I heard that maybe there's some doubt there. Um, I can, on this recruiting note, though, uh, Rivals, I can't remember who it was, but it was kind of breaking down what the remaining four-star recruits who haven't committed are thinking, or like five of the top ones, or ten of the top ones, something like that. But 
But the guy wrote, I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado can come in and make a, a late push for Ashad Clayton, the running back we've talked about a lot on the podcast. Now that Brendan Rice is committed, I think that Ashad's going to be like the guy we follow here on the podcast because he's a game changer. As we've said before, six foot 190, runs with power, runs with speed, can bounce off tacklers, is great in open space. Uh, basically, all the things you want a running back to be, he is that. Um, and he's friends with Alvin Kamara, so there's something. Uh, has an awesome grill, too. I always wish that I could wear a grill, but nobody would buy it. Um, okay. I think that that was enough of a little tangent off of uh, Mel Tucker's Max Borgie take. Um, talked about the penalties. Uh, he... He's somebody said like, you know, back in high school when I played, I, you know, we would have had to like run the hill. It's too bad you can't do something like that. And Mel like laughed and said, if I could, I'd take him over to the mountain. Um, so he's frustrated. He's, he's pretty obviously frustrated because this is a team that can't afford to, to be penalized. If, if they're going to win football games, they need to handle all of the things that they can handle as best as possible because they don't have the talent to just overcome that against a, a half of the Pac-12 teams, maybe more than half. They need to be disciplined. You can't shoot yourself in the foot if you're Colorado. If you're if you're Oregon, sure, you can make some mistakes and it'll be fine. Uh, but, but you can kind of tell that Mel's in that same spot. Uh, he, he recognizes... That this isn't a team that can be penalized. This is something that needs to be focused. Uh, well, I think he said at some point, you know, it's it's building up. It's been a few weeks in a row that this has been an issue. And the way he said is when it happens during meetings, you you write it in big black letters uh, and make make sure everybody hears we can't be doing this. If it keeps happening, then... Uh, you know, there's a long list of things that they have up there, a long list of things they need to change. And if it keeps happening, it's still on that list, but but it's in big red letters now. It's going to stick out a little bit. And then after that, it just gets into bright red letters. And after that, you know, it's, it's just kind of like getting the point where this team has plenty of issues, penalties being one of them. And now that this is kind of stuck around, it's become the thing that I think that Colorado really is focused on uh, this week and then, of course, going forward as well. Uh, he, he said that uh, people, like I said, are responding well. Um, Aaron Maddox also took the podium. We, we talked to him on Monday as well as a group, but he really did get in-depth into that story again of his leg and the rehab. And, you know, you feel for the guy. You really do feel for the guy. Uh, again, he was he was an inch or two away from a much more serious injury. He said it was something like a nerve that, if it had been cut, would make it a lot tougher to play football. Maybe he couldn't play football because uh, it's it's connected to somehow moving your foot, feeling your foot. I don't really understand. But there was that on one side. There was something else important on the other side. The trainers were terrified that he had hit one of those or they had gone down and messed with the bone. He, he keeps saying he saw bone. And, uh, I mean, that's just how bad the injury was. <sighs> but but he's all right. He's back. He seems to be in good spirits. Uh, I, I'm surprised a little bit to see. I'm, I know that all of these guys are much tougher than me. And, th- like, that's just a given. But for me seeing my bone having that like heel stitched up 
taped. It looks like he has a bunch of padding on his leg. I'd be thinking about that the entire game. I'd be like, oh, please don't hit me. You know, and I'd be thinking like when I get hit on the sideline, where where is everything? That would take some of my attention away. But he, he doesn't seem like that's in his head at all, which is what you want to hear. So, yeah. Um, talked a little bit about the loss. I think he had a great quote. Uh, everything's not going to go your way, and sometimes it's just about moving forward. And that seems to be the mentality for the Buffs, and that was probably the biggest takeaway from uh, the the press conference that was Tuesday in Boulder that we still haven't had a chance to talk about until now. Um, so that's kind of the state of the Buffs, where they are mentally, at least where they were a couple days ago, and the last time that we had a chance to hear from them before they go play the Washington Cougars, Washington State Cougars, oof, uh, in Pullman, Washington on Saturday. And we'll talk more about those Cougars coming up. But first, I want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. I'm getting ready to head out to our Broncos tailgate. I'm just taping this, and I have people like meeting me right when this will be over, and we're going to head over. We're going to drink a bunch of Breckenridge beers. Uh, we, we had the Avs watch party last night, and I was like helping take some of like the tables from the watch party some of the like boxes of shirts all the all of the stuff that we have to bring out there to set up it was awesome by the way there were like 60 people uh just from dnvr who were there and watched hockey gave away sweet tickets like i said we were gonna do gave away shirts those are so much fun and they're free and it's just a good time uh, so you guys should be out there uh the tailgate will also be fun lots of beer the point of the story was as i was taking the box out to the car, uh, open the trunk, seeing all of the Breckenridge beer that we picked up for this tailgate, it was a lot. So uh, I'm going to go drink all that. I'm really excited. Hopefully the Broncos win. I think they actually might, which is this is going to make it hurt worse when they don't. But yeah, Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, good people, good beer. Check them out. Uh, also, if you need a place to pick up some of that beer... Go to Total Beverage, where I stocked up yesterday and told you about it yesterday. Uh, If you use the code DNVR2019, then you can get 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. It's a great deal. It's all they already have great prices. And I think like the 15 pack sampler from Breckenridge was already marked down from like 17 bucks to 15 bucks. So I got that. Then you throw 30% on top of that, and all of a sudden you're getting 15 beers for ten dollars it's a great deal because that's cheaper than whatever cheap beer you're stuck drinking and uh it's actually really 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 good so go up there use our code dnvr2019 they have cbd products as well uh they'll they'll deliver it to you actually so there you go you're all set for the weekend okay um now washington state and their air raid offense. Um, I, I love it. I think that we've established on this show that any sort of weird schematic thing that goes on in football, especially in college football, that's where you see them more often. That's the kind of stuff that I love because the way that it works is, you know, you run a triple option offense and that's what you do. And you run it for whatever reason, because you don't have the talent, uh, 
to compete because you play for, or it's a service academy for whatever reason you can't recruit at the same level as your competition so you need to find a way to out scheme them and that's a scheme that can win you a bunch of games with football players who most schools would say don't fit because you just pick the guys who have you know one guy is really big and can run people over the quarterback is quick fast makes good decisions uh doesn't need the best arm though the the slot backs they're they're running backs who are mostly known for their straight line speed. They aren't wiggle guys. They're guys who can run like Caden Remsburg. We saw can run a four, three is the hype. You know, all of these players are so specialized. That that's why they run it. And that's why other schools won't run it, but they will incorporate concepts. They'll, they'll take some of those orbit motions that they go in before. Um, they'll, they'll use some option concepts that are built off the same blocking schemes off of the same, you know, all that kind of stuff make that a piece of their offense, something that they can do. Uh, tweak it like Arizona does. So it's more like a triple option where it's the the an RPO where the quarterback also has a chance to run. So like an RRPO. Um, and, and it's all about just building off these simple reads. And you see that translate from uh, how these classic option teams run it to how other teams ran it, you know, more in the early two thousands, almost, uh, you know, option offenses that weren't glued to that triple option wing back could do other things as well, but still ran quite a bit of option. Um, and then translating the NFL where now you're seeing all these option concepts and you can trace all of these little pieces all the way back up to the, the classic triple option, flex bone, wishbone, how, however you want to run it. Um, that's how that changes the game. And the air raid does the same thing. You know, it's it's splitting your linemen out uh, a little bit wider, uh, increasing those gaps there, changing all those angles, and throwing four receivers on the field for every play. I, I think last week the, they ran the ball 11 times. They threw it 64, 66 times. Uh, that's what they want to do. And that's what they're going to do, especially under Mike Leach. It doesn't matter how you try to defend it. If 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 you try to just put eleven defense backs on the field, you you rush one guy, and you know it, it's a it's an obvious running situation. They're still going to pass the ball. That's what Mike Leach does, and that's how you scheme against him. You know, some guys are less flexible or are a little more flexible, but Mike Leach runs that true air raid. And the way these routes work, I'm, I'm just re-watching the CU-Washington State game from last year just because I feel like I need to have something on, you know. I think that that's like a millennial thing maybe. But also you can see what they want to do. And so it's all of these simple, simple concepts. Most of them short, but they do some downfield stuff too. And, and it's all just based on, I mean, numbers really and kind of what the defense shows you as well. So take four verticals, for example. Uh, if you play Madden, you know all about it. You know that there are different ways to do it. You can put a uh, two-by-two two set, like two receivers left, two receivers right, have them all run down the field. And what you're doing is you're, you're throwing more guys out there who can be defended. So if the defense is playing a cover three, rushing four, leaving three safeties at the back end, and then leaving uh, four guys in the middle, splitting like the middle of the field in, into quarters, the deep part of the field into thirds. So if they, they try to cover it that way, then you have one guy going up the sideline on the left, one guy running up the sideline on the right, and those will pull those two outside zones deep, 
those two deep thirds outside. And then all of a sudden you have two guys running up like the, the left hash and the right hash with one guy in the middle trying to defend them. One of them is open because he's going to have to commit to one. So you can't defend it that way. If you throw four guys back there, one to defend each, then you only have three guys covering the middle. And so that means that those guys will get sucked off the same way. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, any one of those receivers actually has the right in this offense to break off his route when he reads that. And the quarterback will read the same thing and throw a comeback route. And so you don't have it all covered below. So you need to have all four guys covered deep, but you also need to have them covered on the short intermediate routes as well. It's it's this ever-changing offense just built on these simple concepts. They don't have a lot of different plays. They they run the same plays out of a few different formations. And they're all receiver heavy. It's going to be one running back. It's going to be 10 personnel, 11 personnel, uh so like sometimes I have a tight end. They never really have more than one running back, mostly four receiver looks. And so you can run that four verticals play out of the two by two set, two receivers on each side, or you can go by in like a three by one, three on one side, one on the other. And instead of just having them run straight, you just angle the two guys on the inside on the th- three wide receiver side in a little bit. So that they still end up, you know, when they're 10, 15, 20 yards downfield, they'll still be spread equally downfield and it just changes the angles. And so they can run this out of a few different formations. Uh, and, and again, this is that entire offense just outsmarting the uh, uh, opponents. I mean, out scheming them because it's just indefensible. If you rush three guys, like it, it just does, or if you rush four guys, uh, because you don't have enough guys to defend the different things that they are, the receivers are allowed to do with those routes, and the quarterback will make the same reads. Find them. That's why those air raid quarterbacks, they're they're not guys who you really expect to be as good as they are. Gardner Minshew last year kind of breaks out, and everybody's like, "Oh, where'd this guy come from?" But it's because he's a guy who's smart enough to make those same reads. It's not even brains, really. It's just football senses. Can he learn this one thing that he's asked to do for each play? And he could. And Mike Leach is good at identifying those types of quarterbacks. But the point is that I was trying to make is that that's why you can't just rush four guys. You have to rush three guys, two guys, leave more back in coverage because that four verticals play, it's it's one of the few downfield plays that you ha- that, that Washington State or any air raid team is going to run. It's mostly these shorter passes, quick passes. Get the ball out as fast as you possibly can and, you know, go from there. Uh, you're not going to have time to get to the quarterback, so you can't even really try. If, if you get stuck sending four, you're not going to get to the quarterback and you're also not going to be able to cover the receivers. If you send six, then maybe all of a sudden you can man up behind them and, you know, hold your coverage for two seconds while you get to the quarterback, three seconds while you get to the quarterback. Um, Or if you send two or three, then you have enough guys to cover. It's just when you commit to sending four that they beat you. And that's what most defenses are built on doing more often than not. Uh, But, but then, you know, these, these other plays, uh, double double slant is another one that you'll see a lot so slant routes are used to beat man coverage you know you just 
the way it works, you take a step or two forward, you just cut hard inside, and you get inside of the guy who is covering you, um, which increases your passing angle because you're not going to have to like throw past him to get outside on an out route. You're, you're just going inside, so it's increasing the angle, plus he's going to take off inside a split second before the cornerback reads that's what's happening, and so he's going to have a little bit of a, of a, a head start in the race to where the ball is going to go. So, so that's why it's used to beat man coverage. Uh, so if, if the buffs lamp a man coverage, expect to see that double slants play where you have two guys running slants on one side of the field, and uh, that's like one of their things. But it works in zone coverage as well. And the difference is these receivers are supposed to sit down in the gaps of the zone. So it's almost like when you're calling a play, you give the pattern, you give everybody their routes, and they run their route until they hit a soft spot in the zone, until they're in between two defenders who aren't going to stop a pass. Then you just wait there. You know, sometimes there are different breaks too. Sometimes they're allowed to go different directions depending on what they read. But but that's how it works. That's how they beat zone coverage is by just sitting in these gaps. And they beat man coverage by using these concepts that, you know, work against man coverage. It's it's just such simple stuff. They don't have all that many plays. They just have a few. And and it's all built on numbers. You know, you see you have three guys on one side of the field. Here's a route concept that'll beat them this way. And, you know, sometimes they'll build it so it's like you can beat man coverage on this side, zone coverage on the other. It's all these little reads that just makes it an incredible offense. And and you've actually seen it starting to trickle into the NFL. You know, it's kind of this debate now. Are, are we actually seeing... Uh, air raid in the NFL or is it something different? You know, it's kind of been this gimmicky thing gimmicky in in the same way that uh that the triple option is kind of gimmicky you know it's just this one thing they do and if you can stop it you beat them if you can't stop it you don't beat them and that's how it works but now you're 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 seeing teams like the patriots use these same concepts with a quarterback who understands how to just make these little reads with smart receivers who know how to sit down in the zone and and it all just works the same way. And the Patriots are actually just so diverse that of course they're going to run the air raid type things at points and sometimes there'll be power run with three tight ends and it varies from season to season and it varies from game to game and half to half. But it's a... Uh, it's it's just the fact that they're doing that is the same thing that I was saying about this triple option and the way that it impacts the rest of the game even even if teams aren't running a wishbone set every play you know you're still seeing these concepts you know four verticals that that was an air raid concept and now you see most teams have that play uh all of these different things you see them either replicated exactly by other teams in the NFL and college football who run more pro style, more standard offenses, or sometimes you just see the concepts. You you see the you know Y corner, seeing how you can manipulate the defense in the way the air raid manipulates the defense. And and Washington State also very up tempo. It's it's I don't know. I, I I again love all of this kind of stuff. I love seeing 
how teams do the things that they try to do and sometimes it gets weird and super creative it's like an art honestly it's kind of just like a religion the way that they treat it so so that's the scheme that's the way that this defense actually works and uh or this offense works you know what before we go to break i'm going to talk just a little bit about how you defend it like i said you have to drop a bunch of guys in coverage you're not going to have many linebackers on the field especially for colorado because they don't have a guy like troy die who we saw at oregon or the, the Roquan Smith, who played in the Mel Tucker defense, who was the perfect fit for that inside linebacker, now a very good linebacker for the Bears. Instead, they're going to take whoever they have out there, John Van Deese, Akil Smith, maybe even Nate Landman, and just throw more DBs back there. The good news, like I was saying, is that Colorado gets beat deep. That's been the flaw. Against Oregon, things kind of changed. They're giving up some short passes, probably because they're so concerned about getting beat deep. The big plays, a lot of them were running plays. But that part of it probably lines up well for Colorado. The fact that Washington State isn't really looking for chunk plays as much as they're looking to just get that yards per completion up to seven, eight yards so that you know you, you have a chance to just beat you know, just to stay ahead of the sticks all the way down. And the same way the air air or the triple option does, the air raid just does it differently. Instead of saying four yards every play, they say, oh, we're just going to get sevens and elevens and, and work our way down the field. And odds are that's going to work. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, the, the point is the fact that they're going short means that it's less likely the buffs get beat deep. It might also mean that they're kind of sitting on these short routes, knowing that they're trying to get the ball out quick. Uh, trying to jump these slants that could leave them susceptible. But I think that that part is actually a decent matchup. It's throwing the six defensive backs. I bet. I mean, they're probably going to play most of their snaps in dime, the six defensive backs instead of the three and nickel or the five and nickel four normally. And I don't know how Mel Tucker is going to piece this together. You know, you have Onu, you have Delrick. Those are the two guys who you know are going to be out there. And then, you know, Aaron Maddox and Darian Rakestraw were kind of rotating in that second safety spot. They might just keep three safeties out there. Uh, Mark Perry might get some more run. Uh, these young cornerbacks, uh, Tariq Luckett, Uriah Hansen, Hansen Hudson. I think it's Hudson. It's definitely Hudson. Uh, but, I mean, those, I, what is that? Is that six right there? You're seeing all those guys on the field. Maybe that's seven now that I think of it. But but you're going to have to rotate these guys in and seeing how they fit in these different positions. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. That's kind of my question with this defense is, how do you defend it? Do you try to get after the quarterback or do you just drop more players in coverage? Uh, are you really going to throw six defensive backs on the field on every snap? And if so, which six? That's kind of where my mind is at, at least. Um... I want to talk a little bit about Vita Mobile IV. Uh, Vita Mobile IV is just the best. So, you know, pro athletes, like I've said before, get these IVs all the time. That's how they stay hydrated, whether they're, you know, I, before Colorado went to Arizona, I wouldn't be surprised if the trainers tried to IV guys. I don't know if there are rules against that. I don't know anything, but... I bet that they wanted to because that's how you start getting hydrated. So that you just pack your body with water so that you don't cramp up, whatever. Um, for those of us who aren't athletes who need to be overly hydrated all the time, uh, it can help cure hangovers. 
So maybe that's why you should check them out. You know, if, if, if you have to go to work, if you have things to do, you just don't want to be hung over for whatever reason. Um, think about getting in touch with Vita Mobile IV. They'll send somebody out to you uh, to give you the IV. So like your dorm room, your office, your home, wherever you could want an IV, they can get there. Uh, also still have this football game going and LaVisca is just something else. Um, if you uh, use the code HYD20, you can save 20% off your first drip. Uh, first IV drip is what that is. Uh, you can go to VitaMobileIV.com to learn more, download the app, book your appointment. Uh, definitely check it out. Ryan Konigsberg is a big proponent of this. Uh, it's honestly not as expensive as you'd think to have them send somebody out to give you an IV. Uh, it sounds weird. I've heard it's worth it. I still haven't put myself in the kind of shape where I've been able to justify an IV. Okay. Um, back to football. And I want to start this final segment of the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing by talking about the players that that uh, Washington State has. So, you know, we spend a lot of time on the scheme, how it's going to work. But everything starts with the quarterback, Anthony Gordon. He's a redshirt senior, and he's been running this offense pretty well. Uh, he beat out Gage Gubrud, a person who we talked about a lot on the draft podcast, if you're listening to those, which you should be. Those are a lot of fun. Uh, it's Andre Simone and I talking through... Uh, T- talking through everything that's happening uh, in the college football world. Back to this game, though. Back to who they have. Anthony Gordon at quarterback, not Gage Goober, the Eastern Washington guy who I watched for a few years. Um, Anthony Gordon, it, it all starts with the efficiency, like the air raid offense is supposed to. It's more of a point guard job than a traditional quarterback job. It's just these quick little distributing, make your right read, make the pass, and pick up the sticks he's currently throwing for a little over 435 yards per game which sounds massive because it is massive it's it's huge but he's also throwing the ball almost 300 times in six games that's 50 times a game if you aren't great at math but uh that's that's what they do they they throw the ball constantly uh completing over 70 percent of his passes 71.3 percent of his passes Again, just the efficiency. 25 touchdowns already, six interceptions. It's 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 impressive stuff. It's really impressive stuff. Um he he fits the scheme well. He can run this offense. He can run the true air raid. And he has quite a few weapons that he uses. They they rotate receivers in constantly. They go very deep. I think what's it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different receivers have caught touchdowns. You'll remember he's thrown 25 touchdowns, which is a lot of touchdowns, but compared to nine receivers, it's like what? Less than three a piece um, would be the average. And so they really do spread the ball around. You look at the catches, Aesop Winston is kind of their main target if if you wanted to designate one. He He's he's a smaller not not a small guy six foot one ninety two I want to say, uh but but he's just you know a receiver. There's nothing special 
Uh, okay, that's that sounds mean. But but he isn't like a big guy. He isn't a super little speed guy, you know? He's a receiver. Uh, and he has 42 catches behind him, 28 catches, 27 catches, 25 catches, 24, 21, 21, 16. Like, it, they just go so deep. They aren't trying to force the ball to anyone. It's all about who the defense leaves open and, you know, run two guys at the inside linebacker one low, one high, is he going to step forward or step backward and you throw it to the other one? Like, that's what all of this is just built off of. You know, it's 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 just such a simple, pure kind of basketball offense. Um, yeah, but you look through, Desmond Patton really is their one deep threat, I would say. Uh, he's a big guy, 6'4", 220 probably, and he he's averaging about 16 yards per catch, which is pretty crazy in this offense. I mean, I, I guess as a team, they're averaging 12.2, but that's, that's what they do. Like they just throw these short passes. They have Desmond Patton, I guess who can go deep. Um, they throw a ball, the running back a lot. That, I mean, that's, that's the offense. That's really the offense right there. Um, I think that I've probably talked about that enough. So we are going to move on. Uh, I'm checking for questions, but I do want to say that tomorrow on Friday's show, we'll talk about the uh, Washington State defense and how the bus can exploit them. Uh, here's a, a hint. Basically, you just run the ball at them and, you know, they, they aren't great at stopping it. And I think that that's probably the bus strategy going forward. All right. No comments. So instead, we get to talk about uh, Matt Cisneros. Uh Big buff guy, obviously. Uh, you guys probably know him if you're on Twitter. Uh, works for Stats now, and that means that he comes up with some awesome stats for us. So what he did last night is uh, graph out all of the passer ratings for Steven Montez in every game that he's played in. And... The point was to try to find whether, after bad games, if he jumped up and had a big game. Um, the, the, the simple answer is no. That, that narrative really shouldn't exist. And it was actually kind of interesting. You know, you see some jumps. His, his second best game ever by pass rating. And admittedly, like, not a perfect stat, but something that is an easy way to quantify, like, good game versus bad game. Um, second best game ever against Cal... Uh, came after his worst game ever, Washington State. Uh, that was in 2017. And and I think that that's a lot of where the narrative takes shape. Uh, you can see him improve. But but a lot of the biggest jumps even are from like end of 17, 108.5 pass rating. This is probably the second biggest jump, his second biggest uh, step up. Went from a 108.5 pass rating to 246.4. But you'll remember, Utah was the last game of the season. The next game was CSU to start the next year. So they weren't really back-to-back games. Um, And then again, uh, maybe, is this the next best jump? It might be. It might be the best positive leap after those two. Again, at Cal to end last season versus uh, starting this year against Colorado State. I mean, you see some, you know, Air Force versus ASU was one of the biggest, I mean, ever and it was this season kind of reinforced that narrative but there aren't a lot you know he went from a 1.113.1 at UCLA to a 156.2 versus Arizona in 2017 
eh, eh. I mean, the drop-offs just seem to be out of nowhere. And then, since Matt is just awesome, he also looked up what Sefo Lufau's looked like, all of his jumps from game to game. He was very consistent, especially when you forget about the uh, Pac-12 title game his senior year. Uh, he just, I mean, he there were some variations, but they weren't very big variations. You know, he was pretty consistently in that 100 to 150 pass rating range. Dropped out a couple of times. I think he dropped down below like twice looking at the graph, and, and he jumped up past 150 to like 160 once, twice, three times, maybe four times, and then up above 200 once. You know, he, he was just pretty consistently right there, which is interesting because Montez is very up and down. If you want to see these graphs, you can get on Twitter. You should follow Matt Cisneros if you don't already. Um, you should also follow me, and I retweeted him. So there you go. Um, also, we are trying to find somebody else uh, just to throw in there to, to compare. And I went with Jake Browning, which I, I want to give you a second to let that sink in. Uh I think that he's a decent comparison. You know, he had like the hype early that kind of died down. His stats died down a little bit too, but not as big as the hype around him did. Um, just because he is kind of that pocket passer type, played a lot of football at Washington, so it's a big sample size. And he was pretty up and down. Um, almost predictably. Like he'd have a bad game, have a better game, have a good game, and then jump back down again. And then just kind of like build up, drop, build, drop. And, and it's just kind of interesting looking at these overlaid on top of each other. It's weird that the Matt's, or not the Matt Cisneros, the Stephen Montez thing, uh, it, it doesn't really seem to hold up. He did another one comparing the average pass rating allowed by the team to what Montez did to kind of control for playing inferior opponents one week compared to the other. And I don't think it really improved the argument for uh Montez having these bounce back games. I don't know. It's interesting stuff. Shout out to Matt for doing that for us because we love numbers and uh there might be a lot of numbers in this football game on Saturday, which I'm so excited for. I'll be at Blake Street Tavern if you guys need a place to go. It gets crazy there. A lot of bus fans always, a few hundred honestly, and it it gets pretty rowdy they actually had ralphie there for the first game which was pretty cool i got to spend more time with ralphie can't complain about that so yeah blake street tavern is awesome check it out um i think that's everything hopefully i see some of you guys at the tailgate should be a good time um i'll talk to you guys on friday and we'll talk about the washington state defense and i'm pretty excited to dig into that not nerd out about it the way I do about the air raid was able to consolidate the, that to one day instead of a full week like I did against Air Force but uh yeah I think I think the buffs have some matchups that you guys are gonna like there uh talk to you all tomorrow and it's gonna be a good time we station patiently awaiting when i hit the field it's so hard to behave i'm colorado swagging at the crowd do the way look into my eyes i can tell that you afraid cause you know we finna hit you hit you hit you hit you on your own now why you watching the official you just better hope you make it to the next whistle and we ain't playing with you you can get it anytime it's in the middle of the ring
team at the I team. They like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a rain?